Are you an idea person? Do you like to work with others or would you rather work alone? Are you innovative? Well, I guess what I'm asking is, what archetype are you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 83 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I'm joined by Vice President of Marketing for Illuminar, Paula Fontana. In this week's episode, Paula talks about the different personas or archetypes in the resilience industry and how we can develop tools that can help us connect with each other more effectively. Understanding what makes your organization tick and what's important to your coworker can go a long way to being more effective in the delivery of your services. And did Paula really say that I'm her favorite? <laughs> You're going to have to listen to find out. Hey, before I get to my conversation with Paula Fontana, I want to tell you about an exciting webinar that the Resilience Think Tank has coming up. It's going to be on June 1st online. It's called The Art of Leadership on a Shoestring Budget. And Resilience Think Tank Managing Partners Lisa Jones and Malena Meneva are going to be presenting. You'll discover secrets to leading your team effectively, even when you're a small team or working on a very tight budget. They're going to explore practical tips and strategies for maximizing your resources and getting the most out of your team. That is June 1st, 11 o'clock Eastern Time. That's 4 o'clock for our friends over in the UK. You can register online right now and go to resiliencethinktank.com. We would love to have you. Paula, welcome to the podcast. Now, look, this is the first time we've had anyone from Illuminar on the podcast, so it's really good to have you. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about Illuminar and then more specifically about your own background too. Yeah, I, I am so happy to be here and, and thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, I, I'm I'm VP of Global Marketing at Illuminar. Um, I, I joined Illuminar back in October of last year. Um, prior to joining, I've been in and out of the industry really throughout my career. My most recent tenure being at Fusion Risk Management. Um, prior to that, I was at Kroll. Um, prior to that, early on in my career, I was at Lucent Technologies working on emergency management software and, and um, spent about a decade in, in education technology, actually, which is sort of interesting. Now, you recently wrote an article that I just found fascinating. I mean, I'm just really drawn to it. And it's about resilience archetypes. So we're going to get into each of the four that you've laid out. But before we get there, tell everybody what you mean by the term archetype. Yeah. Archetypes is actually a, a fairly well-established concept, um, very um, kind of well-trodden in, in uh, the marketing arena or product management. Mm -hmm. um, but even like when you think about storytelling, um, archetypes are like almost if you think about like a representation of, um, you know, similar patterns of human behavior, right? Like your, your heroes are archetypes or your villains are market archetypes. Um, your, your entertainers in a way, like they're characters, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we craft, um, these stories, um, about people that we interact with to make, that more relatable, right? Because we are all coming from our own biases and perspectives and experiences and so on and so forth. And so sometimes that can be a barrier to connecting with others that um, either um, 
think and and behave and and you know, prefer have you prefer to operate differently than us um or uh, maybe we just don't have that experience um, to really connect with them. So, um, so what we do in marketing or what we do in product management um, is is you know as we get to know um, our customers, as we get to know our audience, you know, we'll cultivate um, these archetypes, right? And 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 so sometimes they're called personas, but the the idea is how do you better understand um, the, the people that you're you're trying to serve. Now, in your article, you talk about why you use archetypes when we start talking about resilience. What what are the benefits of using it in our industry? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what was interesting about this, and this is sort of what initiated the, the project, you know, is new to Illuminar, but have been in the space for a while, right? And so, um, but coming at it from a different angle and that Illuminar is really narrowly focused on um, the jobs to be done around engagement. And, and so wanted to take a fresh perspective, really challenge my own biases and viewpoints around how resilience is built. And I think that in tandem with the feedback that we continue to get from the community that um, there is no one size fits all. The other thing that's happened in the last several years is, is resilience has become a very personal thing there's this acknowledgement that this is important to everyone, which was not always the case, right? Prior to the pandemic. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And resilience so, has become a very popular word. I mean, you hear it <laughs> almost every day. Exactly. And so if, if everyone cares about it and everyone knows they need to do this, um, and yet no one feels like they have the tools to effectively do this in, in you know, in a way that's, that's impactful and and um, and really gets them and their organization to where they need to go. Then we have to figure out um, how we better work together. It's really really difficult um, to correct a system that you're a part of, and, and that's where resilience really comes in as that outside in perspective to help people fix the processes, systems, et cetera, that they're. Um, that they're expert in, right? Um, and, and I think like, as we tie it back to archetypes, how do you use archetypes to better understand the individuals that you're serving in that capacity, right? Because ultimately they are the experts in the business. You are there to help them identify the things that they don't see because they're so close to it, right? And, and so understanding them as individuals, what motivates them, what um, what are the sorts of things they fear? How do they prefer engaging with others? How do they um, do they do they prefer more of a systems oriented approach? Do they prefer something that's much more fluid? It helps you really integrate those um, best practices of resilience into the fabric of how they operate already, as opposed to trying to work against the grain. Now, accompanying the article, you also provided a quiz, and it's. 10 questions. It takes like two minutes. It's really easy to do. And it told me what my archetype is. Now I was surprised. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Well, I'll, I'll tell you when we get to it. Reveal. <laughs> um, I, I, I was really surprised at what it, you know, what it came back with. And then I went back and I looked at the characteristics of the, uh, of that archetype. And I was like, yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. Right. <laughs> so you talk, though, about having 
personal archetypes and then organizational archetypes. What do you mean by those two distinctions? So, and I, I think this is another thing that we tend to gloss over in the industry. I think it's it's been more common to talk about personal resilience uh, more recently, right? Just for the very same reasons we talked about um, as, a, as a result of the pandemic, you know, and its consequent impacts, like it's just become, it's affected everyone, right? And um, at all levels. And so, but I do think that there is this tendency um, to maybe gloss over or overlook um, the importance of the individual in uh, building resilience and and meeting people where they are in that journey. And, and so, uh, but it's also interesting in terms of how our individual archetypes build to something much broader. So whether that's um, a particular team or sub team or even your overall organization, it also influences how we hire and who we fire and like who persists and who advances, who gets promoted. Um, and and so I and there was this really interesting point in the roundtable. And if you if you um, you know for those that haven't had a chance to to listen to it, definitely recommend it. So many interesting perspectives from the community about um, the value of diversity, right? And when we talk about diversity, uh, it's also about diversity of thought, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so as we think about individual archetypes or you know, patterns of behavior and thinking, et cetera, and then how they build is something much broader than that, meaning organizational or group um, archetypes. Like, how do we ensure that we're not hiring to a specific profile, that we have the diversity of thought and uh, perspective? And, And it's also interesting in that, you know, there are certain, we were joking on the round table that like there are like common archetypes in certain industries, right? Or in certain professions uh, because those birds of a feather sort of gravitate towards certain industries or professions. But but I think we need to challenge ourselves as to how we or integrate different perspectives into um, the ways in which we operate and whether that be within the function or whether that be cross-functionally, um, it's, it's a really healthy thing, I think, just for us to be aware of. I like that. I think that's really important. And I never, even when I read through the the article and was preparing uh, for the podcast today, the the whole aspect of diversity and diversity of thought, uh, it didn't even occur to me. And I I like this as the basis for that. It makes a lot of sense. All right. Let's spend two or three minutes, if we can, on each of the four archetypes that you have defined. And we'll start with the challenger. So what are some of the characteristics of either a person or an organization that would fall into the challenger archetype? Yeah, so the challenger archetype, and these are on the axes of um, engagement and um, systemization. Um, So those were important to us um, in terms of understanding, like if you've connected back to what Illuminar is, is doing in the market, um, how do we better understand how people's preferences and, and motivations and inclinations around uh, both how they work with others, as well as their preferred style of um, organization, right? Yeah. And like some people are very fluid. And um, and some people like everything very codified and organized and like not to say that anything is wrong. And I think that was one of the most profound things I was um, 
having a conversation during the research um, with Lisa Jones. And at that point in time, um, you know, I know we're talking about the challenger, but um, you know, there's one archetype that, you know, kind of uh, lower on the engagement and, and systemization aspects. And my initial assumption is actually that it, this wasn't like a four, four quadrant sort of thing, that this would be like a progression, but reality is like, there is no one right archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the challenger is really focused on um, that high engagement, uh, but low systemization approach. Um, so these tend to be the idea people, uh, but the idea people in the sense that they like to work with others and, um, and come up with ideas more collectively, uh, as opposed to, you know, alone in a silo. Um, yeah, I, I think like they, they struck, they do struggle a bit in terms of, um, when you think about kind of low systemization, high engagement individuals, um, their weakness as well, they're all, they're generating all these great ideas, right? Um, but they have a really hard time bringing those ideas to scale because scale requires systemization. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so again, like it is, they can be subject to things like, you know, analysis paralysis. They're always trying to improve, which is very much a strength, but they can get caught up in that continuous cycle of analysis and um, you know, that's, there's that whole element of choice paradox, like too many choices and you can't make a decision right. um, or you're constantly debating. Um, I'm a challenger. So I, the, all of these things are like really, really, um, I, I relate to the, you know, these things heavily. Um, so pairing them with people that are higher on the systemization, depending on where you are, like what problems you're trying to solve in your organization, you know, that can help uh, balance the approach. And if you're working with these individuals, I think this is the other thing, um, knowing that they like to solve things collaboratively, um, knowing that they they like to innovate and continuously improve, like leverage that 1000%. Um, and I think just understanding, you know, helping them kind of bridge those gaps um, in a way that's that's productive, you know, before it 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 escalates into something uh, bigger. One of the bullets that jumped out at me on the challenger is that they're not worried about getting uncomfortable and not worrying about challenging the status quo. And 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 uh, that you're right. That's a it's a specific persona in our industry. And we, and we need those people and we benefit from those people. All right. The second archetype that you've called out here is what you refer to as the athlete. Talk about uh, their characteristics. So the athlete, similar to the challenger in the sense that they prefer to engage, uh, like highly engage with the team. Right. And um, so it's not athlete in the end of, in the individual performer kind of lens is more about like, think about high performing teams. Like this is the athlete, right? Mm-hmm. And um, because they're high engagement, high systemization, very much, um, you know, working with the team, um, driving ideas forward, more systemic in the way that they do it, which is which is good, you know, in terms of uh, repeatability, but, you know, and they also have this tendency to um, to want to continuously improve, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, they 
very high, like, you know, collaborative, they're supportive of others, but sometimes, you know, athletes can have a tendency to overheat and that because they are so strongly focused on the high performance aspects of resilience, they can get caught up in debates. Um, Sometimes they overheat and and struggle to balance um, their competing priorities. And I think the other aspect to being high systems orientation is that it may be difficult for you to adapt uh, because you're, you're executing to a more structured plan. All right. Working our way around the, uh, the circle here um, is the architect archetype. So talk a little bit about those characteristics. So what, what was funny when um, we were doing the analysis and uh, like my bias was actually that we were going to come up with um, a lot of architects in the, in the space. So the architect is high systemization, low engagement. Cause I think if you look like in terms of a legacy, like risk and resilience, there tended, tended to be a lot of silos that existed. Yeah. Uh, and so like my, my original thinking was that um, the industry would be more commonly kind of ascribed to this architect archetype of high systemization, low engagement. Yep. Uh, what we found is that there's that, that most often we're finding in, in the people that have taken um, uh, the assessment at this point, they tend to be most often challengers and gamblers, which we haven't talked about the gambler yet, but systemization and, and low engagement is interesting that that's not coming up as often. Now, I think industry also has a, a good amount to do with this in that like certain highly re- regulated um institutions or um, industries, for example, may organically fall into the architect um, archetype just out of necessity, right? Or, or maybe engagement in those organizations just isn't as, as strong of a priority, although we're seeing a lot of financial services and and um, insurance companies sort of mm-hmm. acknowledge that engagement is is really, really very important and building capability with your people is 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 actually a stronger indicator of, of resilience than um, having like the right uh, processes in place. So yeah, so th- like things to be aware of with the architect, obviously very strong in terms of their ability to organize and document and um, you know very focused, um, even when working on long-term things, um, they're not, deterred by setbacks, um, which I think is a really important thing, obviously working in the field that we are, but they, they can be sometimes somewhat rigid. Right. And, and so I think pairing them with people that, um, you know, whether you're the architect and and you're working with someone that's more fluid and, and, um, you know, wants to work um, in a less organized way, or maybe you're the, the, the challenger, um, or the, the gambler looking to, interface with um, an architect, just being aware of those preferences in terms of um, the systemization and documentation and, you know, preferences around like just having kind of a stated plan um, as opposed to just going with the flow. I want to move to the gambler because that's where I landed. And when I first saw it, I was like, that's ridiculous. And then I started reading the characteristics. I was like, no, that sounds pretty right. So (laughs) 
Describe me then to the listeners. Describe the gambler archetype, please. I love it. I actually, this is my favorite of all the archetypes just because we went into it one way and then we ended up you know, like completely rethinking who the gambler was um, based on the research. Um so the so the gambler is is low systems, low engagement. And the the thing about the gambler is that depending on um kind of where you are, right? And like they're very much I think what I talk about in the article is like the, the solo solo artist, right? Um they are less focused on how do I engage with the team, but how do I come up with um how do I continue to improve or innovate, right? But you tend to do so in, in such a way that you're more independent as opposed to working collaboratively. Um, and what we found is that gamblers are very common and like, like almost think of like earlier stage, like technology companies, uh, but not necessarily technology companies. Um, those without compliance reg- obligations um, or different types of restrictions, uh, very agile um, sorts of cultures. Um, but also what came out of some of the conversations, and this actually came through with, you know, conversation with Lisa, is that sometimes like industries or um, organizations like hospitals um, can can be um, more often than not the gambler. And the reason is that they have an extreme North Star, right? They have a very strong um, understanding of their purpose, so strong that they don't feel like they need to codify it in the sense of rigidity and and rule setting, right? Um, And and so as a result, they can adapt more readily based on the situation. And so it's as if they're resilient just in, in the design of how they operate because they are able to stay connected to the ongoing situation and but the, I think the reality is, is like when, especially you know, for smaller organizations that are going through rapid growth, that, that can be very difficult to mm-hmm. scale, right? And and as you build the team, um, you do need more systemization, um, and and so that's really where that that balance of you know complementing gamblers who are you know always innovative, you know, coming up with and have a the strong grounding on what's important. Uh, with people that that are, you know, that that really think through sort of how these things will be done in a much more repeatable way, really uh, very important. So I have two things that I took away from that. And um, James, if you're listening, Paula did just say I'm her favorite. I just want to, <laughs> we can go back and listen to the, to the tape again. Well, we didn't uh, talk on- about the pirate archetype, which is, it's a rogue archetype that James is, <laughs> is campaigning yep, yep, for. Yep, yep. So the, the other thing is you talked about the architect and how they're more rigid in, in in process and things like that. One of my very first projects, I was paired up with uh, an architect persona and we had four tasks to do, A, B, C, and D, and he couldn't get to see that something was wrong with the client. They wouldn't allow it to, you know, to, to move forward or people weren't available or whatever it was. And I'm like, let's just start on D. And he's like, no, we can't start on D. I'm like, look, just start on it, and then you can go back and fill in. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's it's interesting. So that leads me to my next question, which is, how do these uh, archetypes uh, interact with each other? Are there any trouble spots? Are there any two that man, you would just say, boy, I hope this one and that one don't ever work together? 
I, th- I think the key thing is, is awareness. Cause even within the types, like for example, Illumiter is almost all challengers we found, um, which is interesting. I mean, there's some pockets, um, of, of athletes, um, largely in customer success, which totally makes sense. Hmm. Um, I, so I, th- I think that the thing is like, irrespective of your archetype, just being aware of those preferences and, and inclinations, um, whether you're the same type or whether you're, um, different types and designing that into your approach, um, when you're working with those individuals, I think just makes you much more conscientious, um, or mindful of how, um, how best to appeal to that person or how best to, again, working with the grain of how that person prefers to operate as opposed to introducing something completely foreign. It's about being that outside in perspective and, and being helpful in, in terms of helping, you know, the individuals and the teams scattered across the organization become much more resilient in their own roles, right? They are the experts in what they do, but how can we apply what we know about the organization and how the whole thing works together in, in symphony um, and really be that perspective to help them think through where their key vulnerabilities and um, their blind spots are. And I, I think like when we talk about how they interact with one another, it's, it's less about like, how do you look out for the gotchas or, or what, what have you. It's, it's more about just being mindful of how people prefer to operate and integrating how you work um, with the way that they work. And, and how organizations prefer to operate. And I was going to ask you my next question and we're running short on time. So I'm going to summarize it and you can agree or disagree. What I was going to ask you is, okay, well, how do we use all this information? And I think the answer is that if we understand how our organization operates, even if it's not necessarily our natural archetype. If we can uh, morph ourselves a little bit into the uh, the, the persona of the organization, we, we will be better at creating programs or procedures that resonate with the organization, right? All right, so <clears throat> very, very interesting. I told you at the beginning, I thought it was fascinating. How can people connect with you and with Illuminar to learn more about this or the services that you all offer? Uh, yeah, so feel free to, to either reach out to me um, or visit our website, um, Illuminar.io, um, or connect with us, follow us on social media. A um, lot of really fun things going on with the community. So um, join us for an upcoming webinar. Uh, but yeah, definitely check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, this was great. Paula, thanks for doing this. It was a pleasure to have you on and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you. I want to thank Paula Fontana for joining me this week and talking about archetypes, the different personas that make up the resilience industry. Which persona do you think you are? Are you a challenger, an athlete, an architect, or maybe you're a gambler like me? If you're not sure, you can find Paula on LinkedIn or go to Illuminar.io and look for her report on archetypes. I'd like to remind you that The Resilient Journey is a Resilience Think Tank production. Looking forward to another great guest next week as we continue to talk about topics that affect us in the resilience industry. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.
On a warm summer's evening On a train bound for nowhere I met up with a gambler We were both too tired to sleep So we took turns of staring